0: Welcome to the Revolution Church podcast. Let's try it open, like way up here. Check. Check, sybilis. Does it sound clear, Zoe? All right, I've been told that that's better. Yeah, I've gotta wear like button-up shirts when I do this because of the thing, but I have a little, I've got another microphone to plug in to use that's not broken, but I could not find it, so there you go. We're just gonna stick with this. Fingers crossed, last talk of the year. Um, so we're going to hit it. Um, hey, I, I wanted to say thank you, uh, to everybody who gave this year. Really appreciate it. Um, we, we, uh, met our bills, uh, and, uh, for 11 months out of the 12 months, the first month was a little bit, um, iffy, but we have we've done we've we've barely made it but we've made it and uh, that's a it's a good thing so that's a really good thing and so I want to thank everybody for your support um keep keep this going and um you know 2024 is going to be a uh look at that my glasses are steaming because I took a shower and now I'm like hot and all my heat's like not escaping out of this crazy bucket hat I've got um this was just like, I was trying to be festive. I was like, Oh, it's new year's. I should wear some something. I should wear something with color rather than, you know, maybe wear a fun hat. I didn't have a little pointy hat or any glasses with the year on it. So this is what you get. Um, yeah. So here we are, man, the holidays. Woo. Has anybody else just been, um, beaten by them? Um, no, it, it's been good. It's just, gosh, there's a lot of emotions around holidays and family and people and, and uh life in general during the holidays. And so, but I had a lot of fun. The kids, man, the kids have made it great. Um a lot of fun with the kids. So that's been good. <sighs> I'm gonna try to drink this tea. I think I'm gonna take the top off because that little weird thing's odd. Man drinking tea. Usually, I do my monologue here, but I don't have much of a monologue for everybody. Um, You know, I'm just, I'm excited about 2024. I'm excited about jumping into Galatians again. I think we'll do You Are Accepted again following that. And then maybe a Dr. King talk. Maybe we'll look at some of Dr. King's talks and then kind of go deeper into talking about hell. I really do want to talk about hell and why i don't believe in it next year even more so a lot of good stuff coming up um i I, i've been in contact with a lot of the folks who were uh, family to uh, friends friends and acquaintances and friends mostly friends of of uh, bishop carlton pearson and, and luckily a lot of them are friends of mine from the past and we've all been chatting and talking and kind of, it's been nice to kind of have a little community to connect with. And also have my friend D.E. Polk back in my life. It's been really great. And we've had some really, really um, great conversations. And uh, and and that's nice, you know. I, I can—I kind of miss the, uh, like back in the day when we were the emergent church, you know, there was kind of a group of folks to, to chat with and talk with um, as well. It was always nice. But, yeah, it's nice to kind of have this this group of folks who were of 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 bishops and pastors and people who were thinking thinking like we're thinking you know it's encouragement so i've got uh it's it's this is really weird because i don't usually like um Plan like I do. Plan my talks. I don't usually plan these things. I just show up and just open the Bible to wherever the Spirit leads me. Oh, we're going to go into Colossians today. Um, no, but last week I was preparing a talk and and I hit James. And you know, me and me and the book of James have a a long history and uh, of times where we agree, disagreed and then we agreed and. And I really like that. I have come to really respect that book and like that book. And I think it's it's uh, there's a reason because I, I think part of the hesitation on James was you know, the faith without works thing, and and early in my career, and then the whole thing of like uh, Martin Luther the reformist you know kicking it out. But now I've realized there's a ton I disagree with with Martin Luther about because I took a seminary class when I was in Minnesota on, on Luther. Um, but there's a lot I really like too. So that's great. That's a great thing about being human. Um, is, is, and, and the part of like disagreeing well, which I'm kind of, you notice I've stepped down from last week from argue. Well, from all year now, I'm going disagree. Well, cause I, I think disagreeing might have a little less, uh, uh tension in it. Um, but, um, why, why I've been been thinking about that it, but, but but the disagree well is what's great about when you disagree well with someone you don't have to agree with everything that they believe or everything that they think you know and you can find a lot of incredible things and you're really not going to have anybody you agree with 100% and that's one of the issues I've always had with um, with subscribing to a particular theology you know some theology that some guy 2,000 years ago who doesn't know what it's like to live in you know, Or some guy 500 years ago and, and doesn't realize what life is like today. Um, anyway, there's a whole lot of that I will get into. Um, I'm rereading uh, Carlton Pearson's book, uh, the Gospel of Inclusion book, um, and I am uh, reading the normal, boring stuff as well. But it's all going to be exciting this year. I'm really excited about this year. But one of the things that stuck out to me about the book of James is something that I've noticed that very very rarely can I almost say, oh, I've seen a 100% of pastors not follow this text. <laughs> and that means me. <laughs> put, put myself in there. And so I thought it was interesting. And so I wanted to talk about it. And it's super uncomfortable. And you know me, I love uncomfortable. Man, my button's like almost on the top of my hat, isn't it? I'm going to have to support my Sleaford Mods a little bit lower. This hat's, like, way huge, though, so. eBay. I'm always trying to find one in my size, but it's, just like, extra large, and I love it. So, anyway. So, it's in James too, is what we're going to read today, is, is the, um... So... Oh, you go. Oh, Zo called, uh, their middle... their middle child, uh, James, because of, uh, the book. That's crazy. That's cool. I mean... My dad's name is James. Actually, um, that's his 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 God given name. But one of the things is, you know, we talked about loving others last week a lot, and, and disagreeing well, and and what does loving others look like? Is kind of one of the questions for this: is what is loving others and And we all know, like, oh, love your enemies and love, love, you know, love your neighbor as yourself and all this stuff. Um, But today we're going to talk about partiality, showing partiality and the warning against it in James. And so I'm just going to dive right in because I don't know any other way to get into it. Um, My brothers and sisters, do with your acts, do you with your acts. Favoritism. Really believe in the glorious Lord of Jesus Christ. Now this is the thing. Like everybody's like, oh, Paul's such a jerk, and Paul's such an asshole, and Paul, you know. Everybody gives a Paul like this horrible time. Even like 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 some of the like um, scholars I read, they're like, oh, he was a horrible leader and all this stuff. Oh, you mean the guy who started the biggest religion in the world was a horrible leader? Oh yeah, okay. Um. But James is pretty harsh. James is like, you know, James is like kind of, you know, he only gets one book, so I guess people leave him alone a little bit. Um, but he can be pretty harsh. Some people, you know, anyway, let's just get into it. But he's going, he's like, hey guys, do you really think that your favoritism shows that you believe in God? I mean, like you're showing favoritism to certain people and, you know, do you really believe in Jesus? And going like, what are you, what are you saying? Like, I, there's certain people I like a little bit more than other people. Yeah, you know, James, you know, it's, like, it's how it goes. But he goes, for if a person with gold rings, oh, and fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in your dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, have a seat here, please, While to the one who is poor, you say, stand over there or sit at my feet, which would be really weird. Why don't you sit at my feet? (laughs) The rich guy is going to just stand. Um, Of course, this is 2,000 years ago, so they weren't really dealing with a whole lot of chairs, I'm guessing. Um, Jesus was gone. They had to find new carpenters. It was a tough, just tough time. Um, But, and if you notice, to one wearing fine clothes, you know, have you not made a distinction among yourself, and become a judge with evil thoughts. Now see, look at this. James is not mincing words here, folks. Listen, I may be beloved brother and sisters. Has not God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith, and to be hearers of the kingdom? And he has promised those who love him. Now I want to look at this, just the beginning part here for a second, because why I said, well, I don't know a lot of pastors that followed this, um, and I, I think I could—I put in my notes pastors and politicians, and then I also just put people who run nonprofits. <laughs> so, oh, here we go. <laughs> so when I say almost every preacher, pastor, or speaker or nonprofit person I've ever met shows partiality to rich people, there is a reason for that. And the reason is, is, when you run a nonprofit, you have to raise funds to, to get your vision out there and to speak, and you don't have like Pepsi, Premier, you know, Bud Light, Premier's, Revolution, um, Diet Coke, um, so, so, so you've got this, 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 this crushing thing. And to be honest, like I will tell you, a lot of rich and successful people—not everybody I've ever met—but a lot of rich and successful people have high expectations to be treated well, or at least professionally with respect. And um, but honestly, that should be for everyone, you know. And when I've sat, it's just so funny when you sit in a room with pastors with a wealthy person cuz sometimes wealthy people will put together events and things like that and they be like we're going to put on this event and we're going to have you all out. <laughs> we want to talk to you. What are you guys thinking about the future? And everybody's just like you know, on their best behavior, looking good. La- <laughs> the guy's jokes um or the gals jokes. <laughs> you, you, this guy. It, it it gets really like brown nosy. And I have Sometimes been the odd man out in that situation because I grew up seeing it happen so much. Like I saw it with my dad. I saw, you know, like, you know, famous people and well Oh yeah, they're over at our house for dinner. Now at that same token, I can also say that I've seen my dad bring homeless people home and, and have dinner and things like that as well. But I'm just saying like I've seen a lot of uh, favoritism shown towards wealthy people. You know, when I was when I've spoken to different people about the the project that we're doing, the documentary we're working on, you know, and you speak to famous people, or when I talk to people like making the Eyes of Tammy Faye film, you know, and things like that, and you're, you know, and you do notice that you kind of automatically change, and into someone else because you're almost like there's the intimidation factor, there's the oh maybe they could really help what we're doing and this kind of thing, and James is just saying like. This isn't it. This is not the way to do it. Um, you know, but well, hey, but but James, listen. We bust. We bust in like, you know, 150 poor folks. We bust them in. You know, yeah, yeah. but are they coming to dinner with you? Are they sitting at the front? Are they sitting on? Set? You know, I mean, it's like these are the these are tough questions to look at. These are these are hard convictions to follow. Um, and a lot of it's the same reason why you would see. Uh, see politicians do the same because they're thinking, well, oh, they could help us get voted and they can make the change we need to make with their money, you know. Um, and then I can, be like, wear a little button that was like, capitalism sucks, you know, and then just quietly take it off when the big donors come around. No, I've never done that. But what I'm saying is, is there's that, there's, there's always a contradiction there. And um, I think you can do it the opposite way as well, though. You know, I think you can be hurt and out of your own pain, and and look at anybody who's and I've I've noticed I've done this as well, too, is where I've spoken truth to power. And sometimes it's been truth without a lot of grace or a lot of love. And I believe that's also a mistake. You know, I think it's also a mistake, and I've done it, and I've done it recently. That's the that's <laughs> That's one of the real kickers. Is I've, I've done it recently, been like, you know, uh, said some things like, you're no different than this corporation or that, you know, and had these arguments with people before. And so I think the question here is, is are we loving people equally? And are we, you know, loving people not for what we can get from them, um, but how we can love them better and how we can encourage them and help them like we would anybody else. You know, um, you know, the Bible talks about it's like a lot, and some of the, it says like, oh, of course you're going to loan money to someone who can repay you, you know. Of course you're going to love someone who's good to you. Of course you're going to do that. But what about people who, you know, don't, you know, are, you know, and saying that this is what's going to separate us Christians from the rest of the world is our love for others. And it's just wild to me that I've seen it in almost every church, every denomination, everything I've seen, you know, with these people where we're all, we're all worried about our budget. We're all worried about it. And so sometimes people who can help us and it's almost manipulative. And I hate saying all this stuff. I hate saying, I hate talking about it because I hate it because I see it sometimes in my own self and we all do this, and yeah, I mean, there, uh, Kelly just said, it's hard to start a nonprofit without rich people. It's almost impossible, you know, but now I've chased most of them away, and we're, we're still making it, <laughs> because also what I've realized is a lot of the times, like when I said, you know, and I went and met with my board of directors, and then I said, I think it's okay to be gay, and I got really quiet, and there was almost a, an even split with with the board. And here's a group of folks that just could decide if I'm even a part of what I started anymore. And so, um, and one of my board members just says, "If you go this route, all the money's gone." Now he wasn't the one giving me the money, but he was connected to the money that was being given to Revolution yearly. Um, and we were getting a grant, a very generous grant. And so I don't know if it's just my my, uh, unconscious desire to suffer or if it's my earnest love of people and grace that made me say, take them. You know, as I slowly walked away, it was like, what am I doing? You know, you, you get torn with this thing. So you also have to be, transparent and not play to those people you know you can't play like often we don't like politicians because we see how they you know promise the rich all this stuff and and then we're all going like well what about us you know and 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 they're just you know they're human they're trying to you know get into office so they can do the things they want to do i mean in the united states if you want to be on the ballot in uh i think it's it might be tennessee i'm not sure but it's one of those and a lot of the a lot of the states is it's like $20,000 just to apply to be on the ballot 20 grand you know so what i think we have to do is learn to live without the catch um, learn to let people give freely i mean i remember one time someone gave money uh, to revolution but they gave but back then we were under another nonprofit under safe house and they said, hey, we want you guys to buy this sound system with this." Well, and I go, oh, okay, you know, we put it in the thing. And then I came and go, hey, come the money for the sound system? They're like, hey, Jay, we didn't make payroll, so we had to use that money for payroll. So we don't have it right now. And I was like, what? But that was for the sound system, you know. And the people who donated were very angry. And I understood, rightfully so. Um, I would probably be angry too. But at the same time, I had to realize that there was a need to carry on the work of this whole church that wasn't just revolution. It was a lot of, you know, homeless ministry and feeding people and doing these things. And these people needed to get their paycheck so they could continue to do this work. And, um, but unfortunately there were the strings attached, you know? And so that person said, no more, we don't want anything to do with this. You know, you're no different than your dad and that kind of thing. And it was hurtful and it, it hurt like crazy. Um, don't worry. We're going to find some hope in this in a, in a few minutes. James doesn't leave us completely hopeless with this situation. But I okay. Here they are. You know, um, like I even think about this as I'm walking in. You know, walking into Sundance and be like, okay, don't be too reactive one way or the other. You know, just kind of go in and love people the best you can. You know, you're not going in there to hey, let me sell you. You know, or let me do. The, you know, it's just go in and be authentic. Really try to be authentic. Um, you know, but there's always empty promises as well. So you also have to deal with that, like these disappointing. You're always you start to feel like, oh, am I a hustler? I'm oh, a, hustler? you know. And I realize like why the 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 prosperity gospel. People are like, oh, the prosperity gospel. What were those people doing? You know, and why these televangelists were so big into prosperity gospel is because that was their way to raise money by meaning like, hey, if you help us, God's going to help you seven times, seven, you know, and you're going to be rich and your barns are going to be running over. I mean, they did that because they decided to go into television without commercials. And so they have to pay for all the television. They have to pay for all this stuff. And then my dad, I looked at him and he had to build all these buildings. And so you start to compromise things because you have to create this monster and then people get angry about it. Nowadays, you know, we have all these folks who are, have podcasts and things and, and raise funds. I mean, I, everybody's become a televangelist now. Everybody's kind of like, hey, and if you like the podcast, donate, you know. So it's like we're just one in a million of these people. But it's hard not to show partiality. Um, but I've seen it across the board that it's something that we do a lot. We do a lot and we do it for a lot of reasons and i guess my question is, is like i think a really great example of when this was when this was interesting for me is when the reverse thing happened and this was from being genuine and so here i want to share this with you um is is when one of my board members who who, who came on I, his name was Stu Damron, such a good guy didn't agree with all the stuff i said didn't but he said i want to support you I want Revolution to be a church. I want it to be a nonprofit. You guys can have offices in my building. You know, you have a desk across from mine. We can have all the meetings there. We can do all this stuff. We can ship stuff out from there. We do it all. You know, we. Are, I'm gonna take help you. And I, he could see me just being like, I don't know, I don't know, because we weren't. You know, he was type A. I'm like this passive, really passive guy. And um, and he loved me unconditionally and made it work and helped Revolution out quite a bit. And uh, I'll always be grateful for Stu's love, and, and he taught me that it was okay for us to disagree, it was okay for us to argue, and that, you know, I might be holding on to it, but he wanted to always let me know that he wasn't holding on to it, holding on to the argument, you know? And so we had those discussions. So there was times where I was blessed in my own, and Revolution was blessed by someone who just said, I'm a wealthy person who said, I believe in you, and I'm gonna show you favor, because I want to see you grow and do that kind of things. And so it was very organic. Um, but that doesn't always happen. Um, one of the things also with this type of type of thought that that that, uh, that James is saying, and, and I think it's okay to disagree with James on some of this stuff if you want to. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pressure anybody to be like become a saint tomorrow. Um I think we can we can disagree with James a bit on this, but you know it, it's just it, it it it's one of those things where you can often get labeled a troublemaker as well, and I think James would have been labeled this by probably wealthy people in his community because a lot of those times those are the business people, they're professional people, they have worked really hard to get where they're at it might be fair, it might be unfair, whatever, I, you know, you don't always know, and it's not really our place to like, always judge these folks, but, um, but you will sometimes get labeled as a troublemaker if you, do, if, if you hold yourself the same way with those folks as that you do with people who can't help you, because they've been so used to people trying to get things from them and treating them a certain way that there's a level of respect there that sometimes goes beyond just normal respect, normal conversation, normal interaction. And so that can be tough as well, and you can often be, you know, labeled a troublemaker because you're being human. Um, And I've seen that in so many different industries. You know, and why the time, you know, you're just hoping that maybe you'll get some, you know, the rich maybe give you a few crumbs from the table, or you know, or pay for your whole budget. I mean, it's just like this thing. Oh, you don't know. It's like playing the lottery. Um, I, yesterday, I was in line uh, at the at the store, and this old man, me bought a bought a lottery ticket, and I realized the lottery was seven hundred and fifty million dollars. So I bought a lottery ticket. My son was just like out of his mind. He's like, "You bought a lottery? I can't believe you bought a lottery ticket! Oh my gosh, lottery ticket!" This morning, he's like, "Did you check the lottery? You know." Um, We did not win, we did not win, Um, but we tried. Um, So now that I could have been on the other end of that, then everybody, oh Jay, (laughs) no, 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 don't treat me any better. I'm just a, I just have my pants sewn on one stitch at a time. Um, So what do we do with this when we see that there's something that's happening in the church, and something that happens in our communities basically out of a desire and i'm not even talking about greed i mean it's wild what you'll do when you're in need um and i really work hard to hold myself honest to this but honestly i can say like had i not been raised in the family i was raised in had i not seen it firsthand um I don't think I would maybe think the way I do about this. I don't think this verse would have been like shot out to me. It might have been more of like, oh, hmm, it's kind of a conviction. Um, it is a conviction still, but like I was raised in a way that that allowed me to go like I can't, you know, uh, <sighs> to follow my convictions when it comes to money, um, to be very weary of money, um, to be very afraid of of, of greed. Um, and, and not just in the fact of financial, but even fame and, and things like that, you know, it's the stuff that really entices you to be like, it really makes you want to like, Oh, well, how about, you know, all these book deals. And if you have a book, you know, it used to be like, if you had a book out, you would be like speaking for like a year, at least you'd have all your speak engagements filled. You know, everybody was like, Oh, you have a book, you know, he's got something to say cause there's a book out. So we're, you know, and so you would just be, you know, and there was all that, but I am glad to say, at least I have been a troublemaker this whole time. And I think some people think, well, he's just quirky, he's just strange, you know, he's been through a lot, you know. And it's like, yeah, that's true. I have been through a lot. I've seen a lot. Um, but I can say one of the things my mother always showed me: she always loved and respected people and cared about people. And, and I don't try to make my—I don't want to make my mom a saint, to be honest with you. Um, she's a saint to a lot of people, and she had her own. Uh, problems and issues but with people she I mean like most of the comments when I put up something about my mother on Facebook because that's where you get a lot of comments the really kind comments are usually from people who like worked at stores they either worked at like TJ Maxx or Target or Applebee's yes my mother loved Applebee's how unpopular is that Um, (laughs) you know Applebee's or like Chili's or the fish camp, or, you know, my mom was like me. She would get into this habit of like, okay, we're going to eat there every day for like the next month, you know, and it would because it was just easy. We just want, that something in life has to be easy, so where we go to eat will be easy. But it's usually waiters and waitresses and people who worked in retail who said, I met your mother and she hugged me and she loved me and she talked to me and we had this great conversation. And I think one of the reasons my mom was so good at that, oh, sorry, everybody. One of the reasons my mom was so good at that it's because she was raised dirt poor. I mean, she had an outhouse. You know, seven brothers and sisters. That she was the oldest. She had to take care of. She so she never. I never saw her really treat people differently based on what they could give her or what they couldn't give her. You know, and I, I you know, and that was always impressive. Like she just loved people, and I would love to be more like that. You know, um, before I become like James or the raging against the machine. Um, but it's hard not to want to be a whore for a big donor, and so we can work and keep our jobs and do this stuff and not worry and sleep at night. But I'll tell you one of the things I've learned this year, and this is a god t- ah, it's a tough lesson, and it's not easy. I mean, it, it is tough when you have kids. Like when I didn't have kids, it was just like, oh, this is an adventure. But when you have kids, you know, when you're near their school and you're doing this, you know, buying groceries for children who eat everything in sight. It gets a little scary, but we, you know, my my our, our finance folks in New York are always like, "You're just barely making it. You're keeping your eye just above the just above the water." You know, they're always telling me just above the water because they deal they they deal with all these different companies, you know. And then with ours, are like, "You got to get." I mean, last week when I talked to you, I got an email <laughs> from one of our accountants saying, "You have fourteen dollars." don't buy any books, don't do anything, don't think anything, you got $14. Now that changed, money came in, I had another friend be like, ah, oh, you guys, see, you come over so desperate online for finances. But one of the things I've learned through all the critiques, and I try not to take polls about what people think of my techniques too often, um, but sometimes it's offered to me freely, um, is that we've made it this year. I, 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 someone, there's a donation company and, you know, that makes sure that you're legit. And, and yesterday, and I won't mention who it was, but yesterday, a check for a thousand dollars. And I, we don't, we say get checks. So it was weird. Came to my house. I was like, Revolution Church Inc. I was like, Oh no, what have we done? And there's a thousand dollar check in there. And I was like, oh. you know, whew. started writing out a thank you card. And A lot of times I don't, because now people give online. It's harder to like reach out to them. I'm I'm trying to get everybody's emails so I can start doing just individual little emails. Um, I I like to write things out because I'm dyslexic, so you know, emailing I just I don't know. It's hard for me for some time, some reason. But the point was is that has been provided. You know, we've we've made it through, and to be grateful and so grateful and to learn the. To have gratitude to say, hey, there's so many people who aren't being able to follow their vision, aren't being able to do their work full time. And I'm going to be this January looking at other part time jobs and that's fine. But, but the point is, is that. It's it, it you kind of get a blessing from that as well. And knowing like, hey, you know, I've got a small community of people who are doing their best to keep, keep Like we're important. We're valued. This this, this work is being cherished. I've seen the, 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 this work change people. I've seen people who, who don't even really attend these talks or listen to these talks that often say, well, I heard a clip where you were talking about disagreeing well or showing more grace or not being so angry at you know our critics and it really affected the way I do my work. I'm going like, you know. Those are the type of things that you've got to learn to be gra- grateful for and just making it. You can learn to be grateful for just making it, you know, and, and that's where I'm at. I'm just making it, you know. I, I went out and, and spoke at Carlton's memorial and uh, DE's church paid for it to come out. And then they gave me a little money when I left, you know. And it was like, it was a blessing because every little need got met, you know. And I'm not this like super spiritual guru guy, you know what I mean? I'm not just like, oh, God is, you know. My mom would always be like, God will provide, God will provide, you know. And I have to say, like, I've spent a lot of my time, oh, Reverend John Scott, good to see, you, buddy. A lot of my time um, was spent worrying, and, and and but we still, you know, it, it's 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 almost like it's it's. I found it to be a waste of time. Now, I say all that to say that. You've got to learn to live in gratitude and be grateful for the people who stick with you and stay with you and believe in the vision and go with you. And um, and so, but it's always going to be hard not to show partiality to rich people and fine clothing. And especially if you are a preacher or a public, a, 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 a preacher or a, I almost said Republican, which it means Republican, because those Democrats, they don't want any money. Just kidding, or if you're a politician, or if you're any kind of nonprofit group, or probably anybody who's running a, the trying to make a full time life out of uh, podcasting too, it's hard not to be like, you know, let me entertain you, let me show you around town, you know. Um, when most people, I'm like, oh, I'm glad you're in my neighborhood. See you later. Um, so let's get a little bit of this one more time. Here, here we are in James five. Listen. My beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith? Yes. And to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into court? Is it not they who blaspheme me, the excellent name that we invoked over you? And so James has obviously got some personal dig going in there as well. But, you know, he's being honest. He's saying it changes us. We become different people. We don't, we are not our genuine selves. Uh, something happens in the unconscious. Um, it's almost like, it's like, you know, this insecurity. And, oh, there's an offer for, for being secure. And, um... Uh, so what you're learning is, and, and I think I just saw Kelly's statement down here as well on, on Facebook for those who are just listening online and, and can't see this. But, but you do learn to, like I, for a long time, I really had to learn to be like, when people said, hey, I want to get your meal, when I was in a time of need doing ministry, to say thank you rather than no, 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 because they're be like, okay. <laughs> you know, so I had to realize that I was just like, thank you so much, that really helps, Sorry. really appreciate that, you know. And I had to learn to live a life of transparent gratitude as well. you know. So you have to learn to be this transparent human being that lives in a life of transparent gratitude. you know. Um, and, and you almost have to learn to not have to live in this dance. Wouldn't it be refreshing if you could just go to someone and say, hey, listen, you know, I know you've got money, blah, blah, blah. This is what we're doing. This is the church. If you're interested, great. If that's not what you want, great. But we really could use your support. And then from on on, just carry on Um, rather than feeling like you have to do the dance you do really you do well if you really fulfill the royal law I love it the royal law according to the scripture you shall love your neighbor as yourself but if you show partiality you commit a sin and are convicted and (laughs) convicted by the laws as a transgressor now, he's going to get into saying, like, if we don't follow the whole law, we're not going to follow any of the law, and Paul does it in a much clearer way, and I'm glad that he does. Um, so I think that's the question we have to ask, is where is our partiality coming from? Where is the insecurity coming Do we have faith? Do we have hope? And Because faith is just, like evidence and things not seen and and so it's bizarre it's ridiculous right like oh I'm gonna follow this God and I'm gonna say this is the God I've decided to follow and blah 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 and I'm not following God because I'm afraid of hell because I don't believe in hell so I'm just gonna follow this God to love people and there's a lot of people who follow no God and don't believe in any God who do it way better than me but this is what I want to do for my life is I want to help encourage people to love each other better disagree better and do these things but it's hard not to show partiality, and I think that's one of the things I always loved about punk rock. Um, about punk rock was is, is this ethic, for a lot of punk rockers, and not all of them, obviously, but is to do their art and to do their work on their own terms, but also like I'm not going to rip off the kids, um, you know. And I think Ian McKay. Uh, from Fugazi and from Minor Threat, he has really lived that. I mean, they they still, most of their stuff happens out of this house in Washington, you know, and I'm sure it's probably cost him a lot of friendship because I think he could have made a lot more money in his band and stuff, but being like, no, we're only going to charge 15 bucks, we're only going to charge six bucks a show and things like that, and we're going to learn to respect each other and treat each other well, and everybody's the same here, you know, and um, that's not an easy life to lead. But it's a pretty cool punk rock ethic. And if we can find the grace to do that and find, again, I will use the word faith, if we can find the faith to do that and ask ourselves, do we have faith? And I think for me, I've spent a lot of years, the past few years, in trying to focus on philosophy and... um, scholarship and things like that. So some of that spirituality, some of that faith, some of that hope has kind of been like, oh, you sit over here. I'm going to like, I want to logically think about this. But part of my mom's, the beauty of my mother was this really bizarre love and trust and faith that she had in God. Now, not to say that she, you know, probably weren't situations where she didn't. I'm sure there were. I, I mean, I know there were. So he goes, you do really well, but if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law of transgression. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For the one who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you murder, you have been a transgressor of the law, so to speak. And so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be, for judgment will be without mercy to anyone who has shown no mercy. But this, listen to this part. This is where it gets really cool. And remember, you know, for me, this isn't like the no mercy showing isn't it? like, and then you're gonna go into your own personal torture chamber for eternity. You know, it's not this that insane, this like crazy thinking in my mind. But he's saying mercy triumphs over judgment. So this is what we have to remember when we go into these ideas and when we see people doing these things that we don't sit there as old white judges. because so We never know what we would do if we were in their shoes. Like, my dad had to raise more money than I've ever raised in my life in two days to keep Heritage USA going, to keep all the staff paid, to keep all the buildings going, to keep on the TV, to do, I mean, he did six, he did five shows a week plus a service, my mom did, 10 shows a week, plus, I mean, they worked their asses off. They really, I mean, my dad could have told you any light bulb that was having trouble or electrical problem that was having any problem anywhere on the property, you know, and he, he would drive through the, like, OCD and, like, have a tape recorder, like, oh, there's, you know, Angel Boulevard, there's a light bulb out, and during Christmas, it was really um, unhealthy for him. <laughs> had something about light bulbs, keeping the light shining, not hiding it behind a, a bushel, but mercy, folks, mercy triumphs over judgment and that's always been the message that we saw here so when we see those folks who are failing at this greatly is if we are going to speak truth to power and this is something i need to remember because i often the punk rocker in me comes out and i'm like think i'm john lydon or johnny rotten or whatever you may know him as and start saying like eh, blah, 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 you know and saying all these things and i need to like remember that mercy is always the trump card here and to always show mercy to people like this like we like if I go in and say, well, they're angry, and preachers are a bunch of greedy bastards, and the church is greedy, and all oh, they're tax exempt, and, you know, and all this stuff. I just I'm I am literally falling on deaf ears. You know, I, I they're not listening. They're not. They're going. Well, you don't understand. Or we always need somebody. You know, and there's nuances and things like that. And you're right. There are nuances to all this stuff. It's very easy for us to stand in judgment. But even James, James says, but mercy triumphs, and is the trump card here, so we've got to continue to show mercy to these people, and, uh, and so that's the thing to keep in mind, is, is that this is a tough road to haul. And I think it's one of these things where you go and go like, I might have to be, this might have to be something I carry as a personal conviction. You know? Because if you go into a room full of other people who are trying to raise money from someone, let's say there's a, you're in a room full of pastors and there's a couple of rich people there, and you go in there and you go, Sinners! How dare you! You know? But I can tell you there's been a lot of times, <laughs> you know, um, I can't judge these people's lives. I have to show mercy. I have to also go like I've walked in these shoes. I've seen it. I've seen the need. I've seen the fear in people's eyes. You know, I know what it's like to think like if we don't make this, I'm not, you know, I could lose my rent, I could lose my house, I could lose, you know, I understand those thoughts. So this is not an easy one. You know, but why I felt the need to speak about this because it made me so uncomfortable and I feel like anything that makes me as uncomfortable as reading this and then going like oh I've seen that a million times I should probably just say it out loud and get it out there and get us thinking um and you'll love it because I'm sure at the end of this talk I'm going to remind you where you can donate so don't worry you know um You know, it's hard when you need to fund the project. Um, and, and I don't think, like, for, for a lot of these people, it's like I said, again, it's not a greed issue. It's just meeting needs. It's just doing your work. It's trying to be successful at, at what you do and doing it in the right way. Because uh, I really think if, if maybe greed is something from people on a different financial level that they really have to struggle with. I think we can be greedy in different areas of our lives. Um But it's not, you know, it's not easy. Let me finish this because I think this finishes in a really beautiful way and I think it kind of sums up what we're talking about here. Um, so after that part where it says mercy triumphs over judgment, which we all have got to remember. I mean, I think those are the type of things we also forget, you know, is when we read these verses about judgment, you know, um, sometimes we cherry-pick the harshness over the, the realizing, like, but grace is a fact, you know, but you're all set free from, you know, we forget some of the beautiful verses of mercy triumphs over judgment. But it's good to keep these things in your mind and in your heart. And I think this is this is the interesting follow-up to this, and we're not even going to go through the whole thing, I'm just going to read, like, 14 through 17. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? Now listen to this. And this also puts into perspective what the word save means. People hear salvation when they hear save, or they think, oh, it means saving me from the burning pits of hell. But that's not necessarily what the, word, what the word saved is used sometimes like with Paul and people like When he's saying saved, he's often literally saying saved from those who are persecuting us here on earth. Saved from those people who want to feed us to the animals in, you know, in the stadiums or want to burn us on poles or want to crucify us. Like being saved from those who are, who are after us to destroy us. So you've got to listen to this because he goes, can faith alone save you? So we would have made this our whole world about, my whole growing up, this was going to be about salvation. Like, oh, faith alone doesn't work. So I got to do these good works and I got to make God happy. And so I must have to build like, so for years, even when I was doing revolution at our most successful moments, I was thinking bigger, bigger, bigger. And that's what my dad did because you think i got to save all these people from hell. I got to create this great thing. I got to do all this stuff. And you get into this feeding this monster type of thing and, and compromising because you're going like, oh, I can't, I can't do both of these things, it just doesn't work that way. James, this is the reality. But but listen to what he follows up to when he says, can faith save you? What, what is the story he says? Right here he goes, If a brother or sister is naked and lack of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and you do not supply their body's needs, What is the good of that? So so faith by itself, it has no works, is dead. And when he says it's dead, he's saying you're not saving that person from poverty. You're not helping that person from starving to death. You're not doing anything. Your faith is completely dead to them. You are not loving your neighbor. You're not loving the least of these, so you are not... You have an opportunity, and we don't all have these opportunities, I'll say that. There's times when we have to pass people and we're like, yeah, I'm in it too, you know. Um, I put my groceries on a credit card, ah, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but he's saying, like, can faith save you? Do you see what I'm saying? Can I get a amen? What he's saying is, is your faith is dead if you don't help others. And what he's saying is, is is, you're not saving anyone from suffering. You're not saving anybody from weeping and gnashing of teeth. You want to t- talk about weeping and gnashing of teeth? Look at the people who, like there was an encampment down here and I was seeing all these people who had this encampment. And of course, as soon as the holidays came, happy Christmas, um, Every all the encampment was taken out. It was gone. And I can tell you from the look of a lot of these folks, they... I've done a lot of weeping and a lot of gnashing of teeth and a lot of brokenness. And instead of saying, what can we do to help these folks? We go, I don't really like seeing all those encampments near my, you know, kid's school. Or, you know, when I come out of Starbucks, I just, I don't feel great about spending $6 on this coffee and having to see all these poor people, you know? Um, I mean beyond, they don't have anything, you know, so instead of saying like, well, what can we do to go over there, we go, oh, take care of yourself, eat well, stay off the, you know, stay off the heroin, don't steal anything, you know, we're not doing anything, It's we're dead, we're dead, our faith is dead to those people as I walked by them, my faith was not, like, I could have been anything, I could have been a billionaire, I could have been a poor person, but anything I did was not being I, my faith was not saving anyone from weeping and gnashing of teeth. My faith was not saving anyone from suffering a uh, poverty, you know, my faith, you know, so cause I live in a country where like you get insurance and if you don't have a lot of money and you get like, I, I got insurance and this time I got the really good Obamacare insurance and uh, the affordable care act insurance. And, and then they made it clear like, Hey, listen, if you go to the hospital outside of Washington, you are not covered. So if you're in a car accident anywhere else, your life is over as you know it financially. You know, so we all have to live in this kind of fear and we see people struggling that. And so when we see people who are like putting up uh, GoFundMes because they need surgery or they have to have, you know, something fixed or, you know, these are, I think, our moments of what is our faith doing here? It's a practical answer to these questions. It's not Well, we saved them from hell, so they'll just one day they'll be in heaven, and they'll you know this will be nothing. You know, no, that's not what the Bible is talking about. It's not. It's not talking about life after death. It's talking about life before death. So when we see people suffer, and this is even when we see people being put down, when we see, like, why did I become gay? For me, because I saw my brothers and sisters who are LGBTQ being treated. Like second-class citizens, they couldn't get married, they couldn't have insurance, they couldn't have rights, they couldn't share home stuff, they couldn't do this, they couldn't get the the break them, but they just were second-class citizens in this country. And that's why you stand up, that's why you say something. You see someone saying, hey, they're not getting the benefits, they're suffering uh, because you don't think they're worthy. And so you have to speak up. This is salvation, this is truth coming forward, this is a hand saving someone out of the gutter, you know. saving another life or you see someone's career being wrecked by lies and untruths you just go, you have to speak up because that's your salvation in action that's you saving, help saving other people, that's picking up your cross does it make sense now? You're picking up your cross pick up your cross daily, well why should I have to pick up a cross? Didn't Jesus take care of it? Yeah, but your faith is saying you're here to save people who are here, you are here to love your neighbor as yourself if you were in that situation, what would you do? So that's what it's asking us and that's what it's saying to us. And that's really hard stuff. And that would you know to see that and to practice that and to remember to go back to the part where he goes, you know mercy is greater than judgment because it's what I what I find is is not working for these folks who may be well off and are ignoring issues or maybe not doing the things that they could do is not that people aren't saying things to them like, you could do more, you could do so much more, F this guy, and screw that. And I do it all the time, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I post things all the time, oh, look at this, blah, 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 They're, you know, you could be feeling, you know, I do it sometimes. And I'll probably continue to do it. But we've also got to show mercy to these folks. That's why we've got to disagree well. You can't disagree well if you don't know someone. If I just go up and be like, well, you're a piece of shit. They're not going to want to ha- I don't want to hang out with somebody who says that to me. You know, I don't want to come up with somebody who makes a, a, a complete judgment call based on my life, on my belief. I mean, I haven't happened. And when people are like, oh, I used to believe what you believe, and I don't believe in that crap anymore. It's horrible. How do you believe that? I'm like, well, do you know what I believe? You know, and that's the same with judging anyone. And so there becomes a lot of nuances, there comes a lot of complications, there comes a lot of, oh, what will they think of me? What will they say? But um, I, think, I think what James has said to us is that if we have the opportunity to help others, we should help others. And the great thing about this is, is he's not just saying it to us folks who are maybe struggling to get by financially and, and, and working on that, but he's also saying it to the, the wealthy folks. Hey, if you see this and, and you, you, know, you think this is really doing good to help people and you can make it happen rather than not happen, then you should step in and help save this and help save them and help save this project and keep it going, you know? So they don't have to go and put you at the front of the, the, the church or, you know, a special dinner with the pastor or, you know, fly out to their mansions or whatever, you know? I'm not saying, like, you know, if someone offers to fly me out to their mansion tomorrow, you'll probably, oh, I'm on a plane. <laughs> um, but, so give me mercy. But also realize, like, you know, these are the things that we have to, you know, these are the struggles, these are the things, and we're going to have to, you know. But note that, hey, I've heard Jay say this, so I think, you know, what the attitude he's going with is probably a little bit different than what someone else would say or someone else would do. And uh, I've never been an ear-tickler. I've been accused of being an ear-tickler my whole life, Um, you know. and, And I don't feel like it's ever really worked that well for what they say is I'm like, I'm tickling ears. Just, I have a lot less ears around when I tickle. maybe these ears don't like to be tickled. Anyway, so there you go. There is the weirdest, strangest, toughest talk I've ever done on James. And, uh, it hit home. I hope it hit all of us well. And I hope we're able to kind of wrestle with that and look at it and, um, make sense of it. It's wild when you take out some of like the magical thinking that we were raised with and some of the supernatural stuff and you kind of let it, you know, kind of let us just take that back a little bit. And you, oh, maybe we would all be helping each other a lot more if we didn't think this was about a destination to hell. Maybe we'd be helping all of it, you know, if we didn't think, you know, and then the fact is, do we really believe in those things? Because we're not really doing it anyway. But maybe there's a difference of how we love people and we will love people in a very different, unique way when we can and when we have the ability to do it and see it when we are taken care of, when we are, you know, if we do get financially blessed or whatever you want to call it, you know, or, or, you know that we see that not as just an opportunity to get bigger things, but maybe it's an opportunity to stay where we are and help others. who've been in similar places. And that's where empathy becomes very powerful. And that love that never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. That's where that really becomes powerful. When you really, I'm gonna love my neighbors as myself. You know, I I know what I need and I know what I don't need. So, um, and and for those folks who don't have that, I'm gonna try to show them mercy. Even though I might be judging, I'm gonna have to remember that mercy triumphs, judgment, so. There you go, folks. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Um, If you want to help support the work, go to uh, revolutionchurch.com and there's a... What is it? PayPal and... There's two of them. Venmo. I think it's PayPal and Venmo. Um, That really helps. Um, Keep this thing going. Um, And I'm really trying to aim big next year. And I think this is a good talk to have this because it's so... Humbling, uh, as well, and so it makes you feel very raw when you say it. It's like I would like to try to raise, like double the, the double the church's income next year, so we're not. It's not constantly like this frantic worrying thing, and so I could be a good dad and responsible for not just you know myself, but for my kids and, and kind of do that kind of thing. And so I'm going to try to do that. And if we do it, more is going to happen. I'm not even going to shoot a vision right now because I don't want to shoot a vision that's going to be empty. What I know is that when god provides when you folks provide when people take place when this 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 continues if this continues to grow then we will grow in a way that is effective and that touch people's lives and that helps more people learn to disagree well and show each other grace and realize they are accepted by something greater than themselves and they don't have to name it they don't have to say what it is but that they are accepted and they are loved and to make this world a little bit less of a hell for people. So I don't want to stop hell on earth. You know, life before death is what I'm focusing on right now. So I hope that that resonates with you and resonates with others. Thanks everybody. Um, I've been waiting. Oh, I've been waiting to do this so long. I will see you all. (laughs) I will see you all next year. Thanks. Bye-bye.